What's happening? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Wednesday, June the 7th, 2023. It is episode 160 of the podcast. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can also listen over on YouTube. Search bar Matt Bernier Show. You will get this episode along with the 159 prior. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down. If you're over on YouTube, make sure that you have the bell icon lit up so you get notified when new content has been uploaded to the In The Money Media channel. Speaking of In The Money Media, be sure to check out Horse Players Happy Hour if you have not already. Uh, this week was the return of Horse Players Happy Hour, PTF and Company bringing you right through the Breeders' Cup itself. Uh, you have many opportunities to qualify for the BCBC. You can play through the tour. You can win your way in through the weekend, or you can get to the playoffs and hopefully get your ticket that way. And also, in the midst of all of that, you're doing it for a good cause because you are donating to Thoroughbred Aftercare. And without the horses, none of this is possible. So we need to make sure we take care of them when their job on the racetrack has come to a conclusion if they are not off to bigger and better. Uh, it's been a minute since the pod has been around. Uh, I believe I've been gone for three weeks. The Preakness has come and gone. That was the last time I was doing this here show. And I probably should have brought this up. I am unfortunately not part of Horse Players Happy Hour this year. Um, you will see me. I was on the the first show of the season, and I'm sure I'll pop in from time to time. But uh, the the new day job, I say new. I guess it's not that new anymore. But the day job precludes me from from committing to uh, horse players happy hour for the entirety of the season. So I will pop in from time to time, and you know whether it's a a big race that's going on, or if I just have a little bit of free time and I'm not on air at that moment, or I'm not in transit to wherever I have to work that weekend, um, I will certainly hop in and uh, add my two cents to whatever is ongoing with the Horse Players Happy Hour world. Uh, But anyway, back to where we were headed. Preakness is coming on. National Treasure prevails in a spirited stretch duel with Blazing Sevens. The Kentucky Derby winner, Mage, finishes a non-threatening third. And of those three, the only one to come back for the Belmont Stakes is going to be the winner, National Treasure. We will dive into National Treasure. We'll dive into Red Route 1, who was also in the Preakness. We'll dive into really all of the Belmont Stakes horses on this week's show. The thought, anyway, I will not be at Belmont Park. Uh, Good luck to the folks at Fox. They have the Belmont Stakes this year. I will be at Monmouth Park for FanDuel TV. And I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit over the course of the few days, but this is probably my best avenue to get some opinions out there. My picks will be up over on the website on uh, tvg.com, FanDuel Sportsbook. You can find them on the app. Uh, And I've also done something, and I probably won't do it this week, maybe next week, when the Triple Crown has come and gone, and we can dive into it a little bit more. But the idea of, uh, I have gone through from my first day on the job with FanDuel, January 3rd at Gulfstream, and every pick that I have put up on TVG.com, the app, FanDuel Sportsbook, FanDuel Racing, wherever you're following along, every pick that has gone up there, I have recorded. 
and I have a win ROI and a win play show ROI. I have percentages. I have it broken down by configuration, dirt sprint versus turf sprint versus dirt route versus turf route versus synthetic sprint versus synthetic route. So I think there's some interesting data in there. Everyone talks about uh, accountability and transparency. I believe in that wholeheartedly. And I think it's um, it's something that we can do a little bit of a deeper dive into next week when there's more time. I guess what I'll say at the moment as the spreadsheet is opening is currently before I head down to Monmouth this weekend, I have a sample size of 505 races. Um, and the win percentage overall is 19.4%. The in-the-money percentage is 49.9%. The average odds of the selections are 5.88 to 1. If you're looking at it from an implied probability standpoint, that would translate to 17% with the expected win rate. So outkicking that a little bit. But the most important piece is the return on investment. If you think about it like this, $1.60, effectively, if you think about it from every dollar, from a win pool standpoint, let's say you take 17% off of that. 20 is, I guess, an easier number to use. So let's let's use 20. Take 20 off of the dollar because the 20% is the takeout. Uh, your ROI for $2 there would be $1.60. Uh, so effectively, you're just down the takeout or slightly more than the takeout. Uh, my win ROI currently is $1.75 out of 505 races. Um, that is effectively... 87 cents on the dollar. So we're down about 13% right now. Um, certainly would like to get that up over $2. $2 would be a break-even profit. But keeping in mind, I'm effectively giving picks for every race that I'm on for the most part. Um, and more importantly, we'll do the deeper dive. There's some interesting data that I had always kind of, I mean, I've been doing it for long enough that I can kind of tell strengths versus weaknesses. Uh, but the data sort of confirms that. So when I have it updated after this week's uh, set of races and this uh, week's set of picks, uh, I will do so and, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into the you know the, the subcategories, the dirt routes versus the turf routes versus the synth routes and so on and so forth. So uh, that'll be something I'll update periodically throughout the year as we get some more data that comes in. But for this week's show, uh, not just the Belmont Stakes, but I have some brief opinions and I will keep it brief. Again, we'll try to keep this thing to max 30-ish minutes. Uh, the pick six on Saturday, starting with race number seven with the grade one Ogden Phipps, right through the grade one Belmont Stakes. I will give you some selections, some pushes, some horses that I'm going to lean on from a pick standpoint, and we will culminate with the Belmont Stakes. A very interesting race. There's no triple crown on the line, but you've got some some fresh faces, some new shooters, but you've also got Horses that we are very familiar with, some that need to prove that they are this good, some that need to prove that uh, circumstances outside of their control will not compromise their chances. Primarily, the morning line favorite for the Kentucky Derby, Forte, makes his return to the races on Saturday at Belmont Park. So we'll wrap up with that, but we'll go over the entire pick six sequence, $1 base bet, Starting with race number seven on Saturday at Belmont Park, it is Belmont Stakes Day. 
First leg of the $1 pick six on Belmont Stakes Day. Race number seven, the grade one Ogden Phipps. One turn, mile and a 16th. Not a big field. You've only got six that are scheduled to go. I'm not going to do a deep dive into each one of these races, but I will give you a top pick, and I will give you sort of just some, you know, overall thoughts. Some a little deeper than others. This race, I think I, I kind of landed on the idea that the La Troyenne, if any of them win, I will lose. I'm taking that stance in that I believe Clarier is the best horse in the race. The pace does not look like it is going to be fast, which would certainly compromise her chances as a horse that rallies from a bit off of it. But I think when push comes to shove, I just think she's the best horse in the race. And I like search results. I picked her in this race last year. I like Secret Oath. I like that we're getting to one turn with her. I've said for the past two years, you can go through on social media and find it, that I think she would be damn near unbeatable at seven-eighths of a mile. Well, this is at least a step in that direction. If she ran big, I don't think they would just immediately cut her back. I almost think we'd be better off if she ran like shit, that they then might look at it and say, yeah, let's try it. Let's find out if she can go seven. Um, So this could certainly work for her. Played hard, was the upset winner of the La Troyenne. She did it from a pace-pressing standpoint this time around, as opposed to being outright on the lead. I'll be curious to see how she handles the one turn. I mean, she hasn't done that in a long, long time. It was the first three starts of her career. You know, six furlongs is much different than eight and a half furlongs. But it's just different. I think she's very good. The talent is there. I just, uh, I'd like her to kind of prove to me again that she is of this caliber. Clarier is the horse that I think is the most likely winner regardless of the pace scenario. But I'm going to take a shot in here with a filly that are a mare at this point. I, you know, I, I don't think she is as talented as Clarier. But past the champagne, how often are you going to have an opportunity to take a horse at Let's say she's close to this 8-to-1 morning line, which I, I would have to think is pretty close. Her only try at Belmont Park, blowout victory. Wins by more than five lengths. When you look at the field just at face value on, on name recognition alone, you go, well, she didn't really beat much. But then you go back, idiomatic, the runner-up, who was humbled by past the champagne, came back and won next out with a 102 buyer speed figure. Improved her number by 18 points. The fourth place finisher is the only other horse to come out of that race, and she improved her number by three points. So it's been an impressive race to this point. She has been a filly or a mare that it seems like if the race is run almost in reverse fashion, think of it like a turf race as opposed to a dirt race, where they save, 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 and sprint home, I think she's actually better that way compared to your more standard dirt running styles of fast, early, slow, late. They went relatively soft in the ruffian. She sprinted home and looked like a million bucks. If this pace is going to be on the more moderate side, you know, maybe she doesn't win the race, but past the champagne, just purely on numbers uh, in, in terms of value and odds, I think will be a, a very intriguing play. She will not be a prime bet. 
you know, if you want to use that kind of terminology, but she's the kind of mayor that you could see, you know, if she wins this race, she probably plays 15 to one in the pick six. So I'm torn between using both her and Clarier as A's, or do I use Clarier as an A and I use Pass the Champagne as a backup? I'm inclined to use both as mains in the event that she does win. And now all of a sudden, even if this thing chalks out, which I, I, my fear is that Saturday at Belmont is very formful. But if you get her to kick things off and the thing chalks out the rest of the way, who cares? You're going to be sitting on a nice ticket. So one six in there for me, race number seven is the Ogden Phipps to kick off the pick six. Race eight, the grade one Woody Stevens, seven eighths of a mile. Big full field of 13. This is usually a race I really like. And I really like this year's race. There's one horse in particular. I actually think the price is going to be right and I'm going to be able to make a bet on him. But I there's usually a horse that I love in here on a turn back or, you know, something of that nature. You know, Arabian Lion, when you look at the way he won the Sir Barton more and more, it's kind of what I just spoke about with Pass the Champagne. Slow early, sprinted home. I don't think he's going to have that luxury in this spot. There's a lot of speed in here. So he's probably going to have to go faster early than he has in many of these races. And I just don't know what that does for him. I don't know where that puts him. So I'm going to use him. He's a backup. I'm going to use General Jim as a backup. Now his two runs with blinkers have both been solid. My reasoning for using him as a backup, and I suppose someone would probably, or some folks would hear me say this and say you should be throwing him out then, in this case. I don't know if I like the Pat Day Mile. Part of me wonders if that race is going to end up being a bit of a pumpkin. But having said that, if I'm going to take anyone out of there, I want him. The rest of the field, sure, you could make cases for for some unique runners. My lone A in here, and this would probably be, again, you, you have to be honest when you talk about some of these things. This is probably where I'll go wrong. But I'm going to the far outside with Drew's gold. And I, I just think he's a good horse. I thought his gold fever, yeah, he's getting a major class test. He's stepping up in distance. There, there's there's plenty in there to, to question. But I thought his gold fever was awesome. Awesome. When he was asked just outside the eighth pole, he, he skirted away. He's won all four of his lifetime starts. Aside from the debut, which, by the way, was May of his two-year-old year, he's won by three and three-quarters, four and a quarter, and four and three-quarters. Could the distance bite him in the ass? Sure. His most recent workout, 58-4 and four at Belmont. I mean, he's, he's feeling himself. He is not dependent on the lead. He's got that outside draw. He's going to be forward. I like Drew's gold. I didn't price the race out, but I... I don't know. If I don't love anybody else in here, why why can't Drew's Gold win? That would be my thought. Not why, but why not? So that's the lone A in there for me is Drew's Gold, the 13. And the backups, the backups will be the 3 and the 4. 
Arabian Lion and General Jim. Move on to the grade one Jiper. <laughs> Six furlongs on the Widener. It's turf sprint. You all know my feelings on turf sprints. I'm just going to tell you that I'm using 10, 11, 12. The 10 is Big Invasion. The 11 is Casa Creed. The 12 is Caravel. Uh, my pick would be Big Invasion. And that's the depth of my analysis for that race. <laughs> race 10. The Grade 1 Metropolitan Handicap. The Met Mile. This, this race feels like... I don't know if I can say that. I was going to say it feels like if, if Cody's wish shows up, he, he wins, right? And that's, that feels like it's the most obvious result. He's the most likely winner. But the only thing that is kind of keeping me from saying slam dunk, slam dunk, slam dunk, and he is the only A that I'm going to use, but the only thing keeping me or one of the things keeping me from just using him and nobody else is some of these other horses have races that that not only would make Cody's wish work, but but their best might actually beat him. So my backups that I'm using are all toward the outside. Five, six, seven, and eight. The five charge it. I you know. The Oakland Handicap, probably not a great race. The Gulfstream Mile, really disappointing. His allowance race was solid, going two turns. But the race that jumps out off the page is the Dwyer. His only time at Belmont Park, one-turn configuration, the only time John Velasquez has been aboard. He wins by 23 lengths, and he earns a 111 buyer. Now, you know... It's all relative. How did you earn it? Who did you earn it against? Yada, yada, yada. My only point is that that race at least makes Cody's wish run a career best. So I'm using charge as a backup. Zandon, in my heart of hearts, peaked as a three-year-old, but he ran fine enough in his first start off the bench in the Westchester that at a number I could use him but I I think you've probably seen his best still a good horse I think you've probably seen his best Repo Rocks I mean I don't know what there is to say about Repo Rocks but the two triple digit numbers on his page I mean, either of those win this race. Or are right there. And the question is, can he replicate those races, the Toboggan and the Westchester, against this kind of field? I'm dubious, but I've been dubious of this horse for a long time, and he just keeps breathing fire. So I'll use him as a backup. And I'm also going to use Doppelganger as a backup. I thought the Carter, when I first watched it, I said, for Doppelganger, Doppelganger's a grade one winner. This horse has been no good for, you know, the better part of two years now. And again, maybe some of you are new listening to the pod. I'm saying he's no good or I don't like this horse. Or the, Look, he's a talented racehorse. But 
I'm just I'm speaking in in context or in relation to his competition. Doppelganger is not a fraction of the horse that Cody's wishes. But that Carter, you know, Repo Rocks comes back and wins. Another horse in that race came back and won. Some of the figs have come back okay. The pace was off the charts fast early, yes. But maybe he just put it together. I don't know. Brittany Russell's barn, uh, it just keeps rolling. So if something completely out of left field happens, in a similar vein to the past champagne piece, if Doppelganger wins and you're alive in this pick, him alone, him and Chalk for a buck, what, five grand? I'm not kidding. Doppelganger not only is a big number, but defeating a horse like Cody's Wish and Chalk throughout, I'll say five 5000 for a dollar. So I'm going to use him as a deep backup. Race 11, the grade one Manhattan, a mile and a quarter on the inner turf course. I mean, it, it's two horses for me. I'm using the eight up to the mark, and I'm using the four. Ottoman Fleet. Now, Ottoman Fleet, I thought, finished really well in his U.S. debut. He won the Fort Marcy by almost two lengths, earned a 102 buyer. Pace was hot. He had a dream trip. Could both of those things present themselves again? I, I suppose. Um, I just, and I know City Man came back and won next out. I, I just think, you know, and this is one too. I'm sure those of you out there listening have had these kind of horses as well. When you are in on a horse early, you just become a fan whether you're betting on them or not. And up to the mark, when I saw him on the on turf in those races at Gulfstream, and I got to talk to Todd after the allowance race at the beginning of March, and he said the maker's Mark Mile was his next start. But I said, Yo, look, you he looks like a monster. And he's like, Yeah, he's he's earned his shot at a grade one. They run him in the maker's mark. And maybe that doesn't look like a great performance, but but really when you think about it, he basically ran head and head with modern games who came back and won his next start, who's going to be among the favorites for the, uh, what, the Queen Anne on Wednesday at Royal Ascot. And then up to the mark comes back and just absolutely destroys a field at Churchill Downs. Last out. If he continues on this trend, he is strictly the horse to beat. I don't care that Charlie Appleby is here with Ottoman Fleet and William Buick. But having said that, I'm still going to use Ottoman Fleet. They're the only two I'm going to use. I would use up to the mark as an A, Ottoman Fleet as a B. That's my lean right now. I suppose there's a chance I make both of them A's. But I, th I think you can kind of get the gist. I, I feel like this is a pretty formful sequence to this point anyway, which brings us to the big one. Race number 12, a mile and a half. My favorite triple crown race of the year. My favorite individual race of the entire racing season, the mile-and-a-half Belmont Stakes. I will go through in post-position order. I've priced the race out. I'll give you my fair odds. I'll give you a quick blurb on each runner. The one, Tappet Shoes, 20-to-1 morning line. I made him 50-to-1. 
sounds like he is going to effectively be a rabbit or something of that nature. They're going to be aggressive with him out of the gate. He finished second most recently, going nine. That was at Oaklawn Park. He couldn't beat Red Route 1. The tactical speed should help him. He's almost paired up by her tops. I still don't think he's good enough. Tappet Trice was the second choice in this year's Kentucky Derby. He finished a disappointing seventh. He's 3-1 to one in the morning line. I made him 9-1. to one. I've done a 180 on this horse. Well, I shouldn't say that. I had already started to do the 180 leading into the Derby. I didn't like him in Kentucky. I didn't love the bluegrass. And I just thought... He, he, he is... He's pulled these wide trips against very, very weak suspect fields. Now you're going to pull a wide trip coming from dead last or second last, somewhere thereabouts, and you're going to rally into it, even if it is a ballistic pace. Well, he got the pace. He just didn't do any running. And, uh, you know, for those that are going to question who I end up picking in this race, my question for those picking Tapatrice would be, other than a feel, because I get it. When you see him, he's just a big galloper. Belmont Park, it's going to work. He's a Tappet. How do you reconcile such a shitty effort last time out? Because I can't do it. And the price that he's going to be, you can have him. I don't want any part of Tapatrice. Archangelo. 8-1 to one morning line, made him 9-1. to one. I thought his Peter Pan was really good. Now, he's not gone two turns in his career. But my question would be, purely on speed figures and the way he finished his most recent run, I, I guess the connections do make a difference. But why would you take a fraction of the price on Tapatrice compared to Archangelo. Or Archangelo. I don't know how you want to say it. I think they both are reasonable runners. But I'd prefer Archangelo just because it's going to be a much better price. The four is National Treasure. Five to one morning line. I made him eight to one. The Preakness was not a fast race. It was run to suit. Pace held up. Nobody really did any running from the back of the pack. I guess there's a chance Saturday's Belmont is run in similar fashion. I'm also just, I've never been a fan of this horse, and I'm still not. And if he wins, I'll tip my cap and say, Baffert, you did it again. Well done. Um, he's just not for me. Even though he has many of the intangibles you would be looking for, I just don't think he's getting any better. I think he caught the right field at the right time in Baltimore, and that's what led him to victory. He's not for me here. The five, Il Miracolo, uh, 30 to one morning line. I made him 99 to one. I'm going to skip around a little bit here, and we'll go to the far outside with Red Route 1. The 9, 15 to 1 morning line. I made him 30 to 1. He is another one, not getting any better. And that leaves us with three horses in the sort of toward the outside, but starting in the middle ish area. 
the six forte, the seven hit show, the eight angel of empire. Let's start with forte. For me, it's not a matter of does he fit. We all know he fits. He would have been the favorite in the Derby. That whole ordeal happens. He defeated Mage on the square in the Florida Derby. Mage comes back, wins the Kentucky Derby. I guess my biggest question with Forte at this point would be, what is the best version of him that we're going to get? Is the best version... Is it 100% of his potential? Is it 95%? Is it 90%? And if it's not 100%, is slightly less than his best good enough to win? Going a mile and a half off of a two-plus month layoff. Those are, those are big hurdles. It's not like that's a, you know... It's not a small feat if he's able to do this. And if he does, he immediately goes right back to the top of the three-year-old division. He may already be there for some people. He is 5-2 to two on the morning line. I made him 4-1. to one. I don't think you're going to get 4-1. to one, But I wouldn't bet him at anything less than that on the win end. I do think he is a win contender. I will not be surprised when he wins the Belmont Stakes. But he's not my pick. The seven hit show. You know what the problem with hit show is? The problem with hit show is twofold. One, he's never, he's run fast, but he's not run overly fast. But he's trending the right way, which is a good thing. The Kentucky Derby, you could argue he ran one of the better races, given how close he was to the pace and how that whole thing shook down, breaking from the rail. But it leads to point B, or number two, he is the wise guy horse. He's 10 to 1 on the morning line. I made him 8 to 1. I bet he's closer to 6. I think a lot of people are going to look at him and say, Pretty close to the pace early on in the Derby. Didn't pack it in. Brad Cox has always liked him. Could be close again. Close running styles typically do well in the Belmont Stakes. I think he's going to be a little bit overbet. Maybe I'm wrong with the presence of Forte, with the presence of Tapatrice, and the presence of Angel of Empire, and the presence of the Preakness winner. But I... I have a funny feeling Hit Show is going to take a little more money than he should. Which leads me to Angel of Empire, who I picked to win the Kentucky Derby. He went off as the 4-1 to favorite. Largely because Forte was a scratch, but even if Forte ran in that race, he was probably going to be second choice and nipping at his heels. I've talked about this many times over the past 10 years. The running style on the Belmont is is the most important piece in my eyes. Yes, you know, stating the obvious, you need to be able to get the distance. But typically, you need to be relatively close. 
being relatively close, there, there, there's more to that than just that statement. You need to be relatively close with a half mile left to run. You need to be within position, within striking range, with a half mile to go. You don't need to be on the lead, you know, with a mile left to run. You need to be within shouting distance with a half mile to run. So Angel of Empire, who his running lines would suggest he is a drop-out-the-back, one-run type. The blinkers go on. Now, the blinkers have really been on for the majority of his career in the mornings, but now he'll try them in the afternoon for the first time. I believe he is a little bit of a tricky case in that if you look at some of the commercially available pace figures, including, and specifically alluding to, Timeform US, and you look at the Kentucky Derby, okay, the three lines that are in the past performances, you can find more elsewhere. But you're looking at pace figs of 121, 120, and a final fig of 122. So he's effectively running the same clip throughout. It's not as though he's coming with some giant finish at the end. It's just the way that the entire race played out. Everybody was going crazy early on, and they came to a crawl at the end. He was just grinding away, chugging along. 24 and change, 24 and change, 24 and change, final quarter and 25. With the blinkers on, and just naturally with the extra quarter mile to work with on Saturday, this is going to be a slower tempoed race. So all of a sudden, if you just look at, and, and I know it's you can't really compare track to track, but we can compare pace fig to pace fig. His run in the Risen Star, his run in the Arkansas Derby, his run in the Kentucky Derby. At the pace call, we have numbers of 117, 112, and 121. By no means is that going to have him on the lead. But I don't think he's going to be that far off of it. I really don't. I think he's going to be within four lengths and I'd like to think that Flavian Pratt is going to be able to get him into the run and have him within two lengths as they go into the far turn and if that's the case I will take my chances that he's going to finish better than Tapatrice who I think is just kind of a, a plotter and I'll take my chances that he will finish better than Forte coming off of a two-month layoff I picked him in the Derby I'm going to pick him again in the Belmont I like Angel of Empire to win the Belmont Stakes. He is 7-2 to on the morning line. I made him 2-1. to I like him a lot. I just think he's a good horse. He has not taken a backward step in any dirt route that he's run. His dirt routes, he has gone 58-74-85-89-94-104. to 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 If you want to look at it and say equipment change before a big race is a red flag, I'm not going to argue with you because I typically agree. Brad Cox has never really spoken of this horse as though he thinks he is the bee's knees. I think the paper says something else. 
I think this horse also has a little bit of essential quality to him. That he's fast and the distance is not going to beat him. I promise you that. If he loses, it's because he just wasn't good enough. The distance, sure as hell, is not going to get him beat. I like Angel of Empire to win the Belmont Stakes. I'll bet him at 2-1 to one or better, but in all likelihood, I'll be alive to him in some kind of a pick, whether it's a double or a pick three or the pick six. Something. I like Angel of Empire a lot. He is a lone A. He was a lone A for me in the Derby. He's a lone A for me in the Belmont. But I do acknowledge there are good horses in this race. It's my favorite race of the year, and I'm going to be fascinated to see how it all unfolds. Let me know your thoughts about this year's Belmont Stakes, any of the other races that are going to be part of this festival over three days, any of the other races that I talked about here, the pick six sequence, $1 base bet. You can play it all over the place, but especially over on FanDuel Sportsbook, FanDuel Racing, TVG.com, the app, you name it. You can get down over there. Uh, questions, comments, concerns beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. I will be at Monmouth Park again this weekend with Larry Colmas beginning on Friday afternoon. Uh, we'll be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, going over the racing from the Jersey Shore. Um, looks like it'll be warmer this time around. Hopefully the smoke kind of dissipates a little bit over the next couple of days coming in from Quebec. Uh, but looking forward to getting down there and, again, checking out the final jewel of the American Triple Crown on Saturday from Belmont Park. I will be back next week. We'll do a deeper dive into the results, see where things stand some conclusions we can draw, and some things that perhaps you at home can take, not necessarily from my results, but maybe some things you can implement into your own record keeping to really try to lean into, specifically from a gambling standpoint. You guys aren't putting picks out there on a day-to-day -day basis, but from a gambling standpoint, better to know, am I god-awful at turf routes, and I'm really good at synthetic sprints? If that's the case, then bet more on synthetic sprints. So we'll dive some more into record keeping. We'll also look back at this weekend's races and see what we can glean going forward from not just the three-year-olds, but all the other divisions that'll be going forward over the course of the week. Best of luck however you play this weekend, whatever you play this weekend, wherever you play this weekend. This has been episode 160 of the Matt Bernier Show.